0: I still to this day get the response of, well, you know, you're, you're a guy, it's, it's really not that big of a deal to you, and sure enough, I, I, I laugh, often. but instead, there's part of me inside that still would love to explain that more to them, and explain, well, how would you like to not have a choice in what you look like every morning?
1: Hey everyone, welcome to the Alopecia Project. This is the podcast that uncovers the world of alopecia, an autoimmune condition that results in various patterns of hair loss. In today's episode, we interview Jared Nichols. We'll be talking about men with alopecia and the relationship between hair and masculinity. Check it out. Hi, Jared, thanks so much for being on the podcast today. I'm really looking forward to talking to you and hearing all about your story with alopecia.
0: Awesome, happy to be here.
1: Awesome. So let's just to start, let's hear a little bit about your history of alopecia. So when did you, where were you diagnosed with alopecia?
0: Oh man. Um, For as long as I can remember, I've actually had alopecia. Probably, I think my mom would say it was probably around four or five that I was first diagnosed. She was actually the one that would take me to the hairdresser and had to take me to, she went and found a specific hairdresser in the city that was able to kind of blend in whatever hair I had to cover up the spots that were mostly localized in the back of my head. And so, yeah, that was when it really first started. I didn't really ever notice that I was different until it really kicked into full effect when I was 12. That's when I was diagnosed with Universalis because when I turned, right when i was going into eighth grade, I lost all of my hair, eyebrows, eyelashes, body hair over the course of, oh, it was probably about a week. My, mem- my memory serves that it was about a week in the summertime that it all fell out at once. Um, so going into grade eight was quite uh, the experience because I didn't look like, obviously look like the same person <laughs> anymore, but yeah, that's basically when it all first started.
2: So all of your hair kind of fell off at the same time within a week, like body hair as well?
0: Yeah, it was crazy. Um, I actually remember being out at the cottage and I used to have like, a lot of hair, long curly hair on my head and it was I remember waking up every morning and my mom would come in before I was because she didn't want me to see all over the pillow and stuff like that. She spent more time trying to cover it up, acting like I didn't even notice that it was happening when I would take a shower and, you know, the drain would be plugged with hair completely. But I actually remember, yeah, going uh, swimming in the lake and being able to basically take my hand, grab a whole handful and rip it out and not feel any pain because it basically had all all the follicles that already let go. And so that was kind of like an emotional scene because I remember both my mom crying uh, at the lake. And it was pretty, uh, it was an emotional time. That's for sure.
2: What was that like for you when growing up with alopecia, especially and you know, you're young, you're 12 years old, grade eight. What was that like?
0: It's hard to put into words because even now I remember that to this day, I, I remember that it affected my parents more than it affected me. Um, I remember, when I had it,, oh, this would have been two thousand and early two thousands, and it really wasn't Alopecia wasn't really as mainstream as it was now. Even now, it's not as you know, it's not as popular as other big things out there, but it I, there was nothing about it. There was no websites, there was no support groups, there was nothing. like the more I remember I was talking with I was a pen pal with people throughout the world that I was linked up with. I had someone in Australia that I was talking to via snail mail. And I remember what the other one was, the U.S., I believe. But that was the only type of support system that I was able to get. Um, no one knew what it was. Everyone just assumed that when I walked into school that there must have been some form of cancer or something like that.
1: So how did kind of all the people that you were interacting with, like, you know, deal with you having alopecia? Or what did they think?
0: Everyone has different, even now, like you, as you get older, it's everyone seems to still, because it's still not the well-known disease, or whatever you want to call it, that I would like it to be. So if everyone kind of looks at you differently, and as a kid, kids don't know how to act, so you get the kids that are kind of just uncomfortable around you. So well, I still remember walking into school that day, not knowing how I was going to be treated, or... What people were gonna think? Was I gonna be treated differently? What was I gonna be? Were my friends still gonna be my friends? How would I make new friends looking like this? And it actually ended up being the total opposite of what I thought. Um, I had some guy come up to me right off the start, and I, I don't know why I still remember this, but clearly you remember certain points of your life. But I still remember one. I don't remember who it was, but I remember one of the guys in my grade walking up to me and saying, "Oh, hey, cool hairstyle!" And I was like. Okay, I was on cloud nine after that. I still remember the rest of the, that, that year was smooth sailing. Going into grade nine, we, like in, going into high school was a different story. That wasn't as easy as the one grade in middle school was. But um, going into high school was, bl- of course, you're blending in all these kids from different schools. And so the nerve-wracking experience of that, it was hard. It's hard, and I... I definitely feel for anybody that's still going through it now because it's still and even being a guy it's still i I couldn't imagine being a female going through that but being even just a guy going through that was so difficult in its own way you get to learn a lot about who you are and how where this internal strength is going to come from because you can't really rely on anybody else um i was I was lucky enough that I had some really close friends that I was able to keep throughout my entire high school days. And that never really let that be a factor in my upbringing. Hair loss was never kind of a thing. We used to honestly, they, they allowed me to be able to joke about it and let's turn this into something that's funny. Let's give you a funny nickname and hope that that kind of smooth things over with
2: i want to go back to the masculinity aspect of it in a second but before i ask you about that you know you, you're saying that your friends helped you out through it what other than like giving you nicknames and whatnot what sort of support groups did you or not groups but support systems did you have what as you were trying to deal with this because like you said it wasn't very well known uh, there weren't d- websites, groups like how there are today. What was, what was like that? Would you, were you ever teased? Was, was it tough?
0: It was. Um, And again, because yeah, there, that support system wasn't there. Like the only support I had was through my parents and my friends. And, but the problem is my parents, my friends still didn't fully understand what the, what alopecia was. They didn't understand that. Oh, you know, it's, they knew that my dermatologist said, oh, it's just hair loss or whatever the case is. Um, but they don't, they still didn't understand the magnitude. Oh, it's still in their mind, it's still a medical condition. There must be, you must be in some sort of distress or pain or et cetera, something along those lines. So, but to be totally honest, it was mostly I just went, I was able to go through it myself. I didn't have people to talk to that I didn't know anybody else that had alopecia until I was in my early 20s before it was probably eight to nine years before I met an, another person that even had alopecia. So, It was more or less me basically getting through high school on my own, and was I teased? Oh yeah, Um, that kids are mean. I know that that's never going to change, but the uh, I think that's to this day. I think that's why I'm able, like I am who I am, because I'm able to kind of see past that and be confident in myself. I like to honestly think alopecia for giving me this confidence that i have today because i truthfully don't think i would have the confidence that i have in myself today if it wasn't
2: yeah i would i personally i don't know about you sarah would kind of feel the same way about having alopecia really instilling you with a sense of confidence that i would not have otherwise had
1: yeah and i think it, it teaches you to you know look beyond superficial things right and teaches you what's really important because I think at one point we all feel like we can't live if we don't have our hair, but you find out that's not true when you have alopecia. So what has it been like for you? A lot of a lot we talk a lot on this podcast um with women and women who have gone through alopecia and and uh, you know that association that exists between being a woman and having you know long hair and having um and hair being a thing that we associate with femininity but i think that there's also a piece of hair being associated with masculinity so as a man how has it been for you to to lose all your hair and not to have you know body hair and, and a beard and hair on your head
0: um it's so it gets so difficult to put into words just because the line that I get it. I still to this day when I talk to people, I you know, just inform somebody of what alopecia is, and I still to this day get the response of, "Well, you know, you're you're a guy. It's it's really not that big of a deal to you." And sure enough, I I, I laugh and agree with them. Ha ha ha. I, you're right. You know, it's it's not so bad. But instead, there's part of me inside that's still would love to explain that more to them and explain, well, how would you like to not have a choice in what you look like every morning? I wake up every day. I don't get to style my hair. I don't get to go to the hairdresser and change or dye or whatever the case is. Granted, obviously being a man nowadays, there isn't a whole, it's not the same as being a woman with hairstyles, but I was never given that choice. I got that choice taken away from me at a young age and I've never really got that back. So that's where I, equate alopecia to basically stealing a part of your identity away and giving you this new one, which I that you then have to le- learn to live with and be confident in. Growing up in high school is without body hair was kind of funny because you go to the change rooms and all the guys laugh at you for not having leg hair and all the women shave their legs and you can tell them a thousand times that you're not shaving <laughs> your legs but they don't care. You're still going to get the jokes no matter what. So you basically just have you, you get to learn to live with it and I think, honestly, because of that, I was able to laugh at jokes towards me and kind of turn them into, I can make myself the center of a joke and then it wasn't, it was easier to kind of cope with that way. And to this day, I still do. I have no problem making myself, putting myself out there to look silly or funny to make a few laughs. Um, It boosts my confidence and yet kind of distracts everyone away from what their initial um, insults were. But working... Where I do now, um, I work as a security guard right now um, at one of the largest hospitals in Canada. Um, I'm being a man there on display with alopecia. I'm Every day, I'm still receiving, whether it be a kind of, you get the person that walks by and gives you that double-take look, and you, you know they've noticed, oh, wait a sec. he doesn't have eyebrows. Why doesn't he have eyebrows? He must be sick. Or you get the person that, I get people that have no problem walking up to me and say, why do you look like that? And so it's, it's, it's interesting. I don't know. I don't know how else to put it. It's, it's something that I think I'm, it's going to have to, I've learned to live with on a day to day basis. And How do you not
2: necessarily react, but how do you feel about the comment? Well, it's okay. At least you're a guy.
0: It's frustrating. Cause like I said, I don't, I don't want to get into a debate with people when I'm having these conversations. I don't want to make it. I don't want to sound like, and I don't know how to put it. So I don't come across as hostile. I want to be able to say, I, I wish there would be like a polite way to kind of be like, well, you know, I don't agree with that, but then I don't want to go into a big long discussion with it afterwards. I kind of want it just to be like, you know, I, I, I get where they're coming from. Cause what don't get me wrong. I a hundred percent, feel for the women out there that have gone through this because women in today's society your hair is everything you read a magazine nowadays and it's, it's you can't get away from that that's don't get me wrong that to me is there, there is diff- major differences there but at some point i would love for it to just not be the oh this is you know you're you're a guy so that's common nowadays to have a shaved head that's not a it's not a big deal for you. You can get by with that. And it's like, I haven't had hair since I was in my early twenties now. And uh, it's funny. I show pe- people pictures of what I do and they mostly honestly don't believe that it's me. They truthfully think that that I'm showing them a picture of somebody else because there's no, there's no resemblance whatsoever.
1: But... Yeah. I think you know, having alopecia is difficult, no matter who you are. I don't think it's really fair to say it's easier for men or for women. I mean, no matter what, it's hard. And I think, you know, we see a lot in the alopecia community, it's pretty female dominated. Do you think that it's kind of harder for men to reach out and, you know, seek help and support because of their alopecia?
0: Oh, 100%. That's, that's a huge point that often gets missed. And that's where a lot like, and being a teenage boy, you're not you're not going to ask for help. You're not – that's – you look – you don't want to show weakness. You don't – even as – well, any age, honestly, you don't – I guess on a average, most men don't ask for help. They like – they're very – we want to figure it out on our own. We want to be able to move forward on our own and handle, we can handle it ourselves. But because of that, the ones that do want help now are kind of left with – I'm going to go to a support group and be the only man there. Well, what kind of support am I really receiving? There really isn't that – you're not really receiving anything because while well, you're a dude, you should be able to live with it because there's lots of bald guys out there. And that's literally quotes that I've, you know, I've heard. So yeah, it makes it, there is a, there is a part of it that makes it in some words, you're right, more difficult um, in that way, because there is less support out there for you, you know, other than, you know, the treatments that are out there, which are, you know, I put treatments in quotation marks because they're sure they might work for some people, but I gave up on those you know, 10 years ago. And, we don't bother with those anymore. It's more so just tell people, even men, men you know, you it's something that's a battle, it's an internal battle that you're going to have to overcome by yourself in the long run and offer whatever support I can.
1: So I know you've been involved with the Canadian Alopecia Areata Foundation. So have you been kind of acting, um, you know, trying to provide support to people who are living with alopecia through that work?
0: Um, that was my initial, when I first joined the board of oh. Um, Three or four years ago, um, I had, my initial goal was to give as much back to the Alopecia community as I could. Being all the way in Winnipeg, I found it a little bit more difficult. Obviously, most stuff, most of the things that Canada provide is localized around the Toronto area. So setting something up in the Central Canada area was always one of my kind of hopes and dreams. And it still is. Obviously, volunteering takes a lot of time out of your personal life and I haven't gotten to that stage where I've been able to set up and get it rolling, a support group for Central Canada, more so in the Winnipeg, Northern Ontario area. Um, it is being talked about. It just hasn't, I haven't had the time to kind of get down and set it all up. Um, as everyone knows, life gets busy and you want to give as much time as you can, but sometimes you don't, sometimes you don't have all the, for sure. as much time as you want to give.
2: Can we go back to your the comments about treatments? What sort of treatments had you tried? What was your experience with trying to get your hair back?
0: Um, So right from a young age, I believe I was trying to think now. I've gone through two full cycles of hair loss with Universalis. So I had full regrowth for a few years, and then it all fell out again in my early 20s. But in the first part, I believe all the only thing I tried was the and. To be honest, it's still the only thing I have tried was the injections. I believe there's some form of cortisol injections where I used to actually get. Oh man, I don't. I, I used to. I lost count, thirty or forty of them in the top of my head, and feel all fuzzy underneath afterwards because it creates that reaction under the skin. And I tried that several times, and honestly, I I give for me those rea- Those injections worked minimal amount of time i would get maybe a small amount of regrowth but when your body is still the internal problem is your immune system is attacking these uh, hair follicles it doesn't matter what kind of reaction you give on the scalp whatever is newly developed your body is just going to be attacking and make it fall out anyways is basically what i wrapped my head around is what was happening inside my body and but the only place that it ended up the injections worked for me was my eyebrows when I was younger. Um, And I really, I had no problem going to get, you know, toughing out the pain for 10 or probably five five injections per eyebrow. I had no problem going for that if I was going to get results. And a lot of times I feel like if I had eyebrows, alopecia really wouldn't be that bad. No one would even know that I had it as a man. It's the eyebrows and the eyelashes that kind of, that's your ticket to show people that you have it because... There is so many men out there with shaved heads, but if you if you lose those eyebrows, that's your that's your ticket. Kind of now people know now, now you're exposed, and um, but yeah, no. So I tried the injections. They didn't. They I well they didn't work. Um, I didn't at the time. Again, this was in the early two thousands. There wasn't a whole lot out there in terms of anything else. I think the other option, my I still remember the other option my dermatologist gave my mom was let's rub poison ivy all over his head and see if that works. And my mom was like, I remember my mom laughing in her face and being like, Haha, yeah, right, that's not happening. And we left and therefore, oh, we you have a... I still don't feel like calling it a disease. I don't know. Do you guys call it anything differently? Do you guys use a certain term to describe it?
2: Personally, um, I was talking to somebody at a support session, and I had said "disease," and they kind of came back to me and said, "You know, I, I especially in this in this setting, when you call it a disease, it's as if uh, you know it's a, such a negative connotation. Try calling it a condition." And so since then, I've, I actively try and call alopecia a condition.
1: I think for me, I just always use the term disease because I also have like other autoimmune diseases. So just because they're all kind of, you know, they're all kind of grouped under that label. But I know sometimes, sometimes it doesn't really feel like we have a disease, it feels more like a condition because it doesn't, you know, inhibit our health in a lot of ways. But I think it's I I mean, it is a disease. It is serious enough to be considered a disease, but I guess it just depends on how you emotionally react to that word.
2: That's true. I wonder, I don't know this. I'm not a doctor, but I wonder if there is something that like classifies a disease as being a disease and and something else as being a condition or or whatever the technical medical words are.
1: Yeah. I think anyone listening to this, like, let us know. What do you think? Do you call your alopecia a disease or a condition? That's a good question. I'm very curious.
2: So, Sarah, you were talking about how you have like other autoimmune conditions as well. Mm-hmm. I also have a ton of other autoimmune conditions. Well, primarily, like, I've had eczema since I was like a baby. I don't even know, maybe, maybe like 18 months when I first got eczema. And I find that there are a lot of like parallels when you're talking to other people who have um alopecia that like they've experienced some sort of it an, or another like i i was they were looking into whether i had lupus at some point so i don't know jared is is this something that you've also experienced with like the pairing of autoimmune issues
0: oh my god yeah i've it's <laughs> been a I've, my friends think i'm a walking medical uh, journal because you go to the doctor and it's they, they tell you, oh, you know, we, we, we think you have this, but it's weird because you don't have any of the symptoms for it. Or this test is coming back negative, so it looks like this test, but it's not. And I'm just like, oh, man, I'm so sick of hearing that. But it's no difference. And so in terms of autoimmune, I've had eczema and full-body psoriasis for as long as I can remember as well. Probably right since, yeah, probably early puberty, around 12. I have to be on a biologic injection to take care of that, which is funny because this biologic injection that I take for psoriasis suppresses my immune system, but as a side effect of this injection, actually could cause alopecia, um, is what my dermatologist was telling me. So it sounds to so she goes, well, obviously that doesn't bother you, but for some people, you know, they don't want to take this because that is the side effect. So that right there told me that there's this major link between you know, once you get one autoimmune you're basically in line up to get what else are you going to get
1: mm-hmm. yeah i feel like we all like i've got i've got pretty severe psoriasis as well and i also do a biologic so we're just like a bunch of uh you know skin skin problem people over here yeah,
0: skin misfits <laughs>
1: yeah skin misfits basically that's a great term i'm gonna adapt that into all my conversations
0: <laughs> yeah and then yeah now i'm waiting on i just had a appointment last week where they're thinking now i'm going to be diagnosed with my third autoimmune condition and of course it's one of the ones that if she doesn't di- or test me at the right phase of the thing it's all my uh results are going to come back negative but she's believing that yeah on on to number three so yeah it's a journey
2: how is <laughs> it it's like a package eh like yeah. and you're right, it definitely is a journey it, it doesn't end with alopecia it, it's it's something that kind of like affects different aspects of your life in different ways. And and it's nice to know that we're all kind of a little autoimmune kind of family here. Mm-hmm. Everybody has the same sort of issues. Definitely.
1: Yeah, we're skin misfits together. Like <laughs> skin mis- misfits. Can we rename the podcast to that? Yeah, or like I think we need to get a hashtag going or something.
2: Yeah. <laughs> Let's do it. tweet it out. <laughs> skin misfits. Yeah, I mean, so I also had the asthma, like the, for a little while, oh, yeah. um, like puffers everywhere. I remember I was in the third grade when I had my first, uh, you know, asthmatic uh, incident. And, you know, being like eight year olds as we were, we were like rolling down this hill where there's all this like dead grass that has been chopped up and I get to the bottom of the hill and like, I can't breathe. It was horrible. I thought like maybe a, a rock hit my esophagus or something. And like my face was starting to turn a different color. And a teacher came running. I think they got an ambulance. I'm, I'm pretty sure they got an ambulance. And uh, little did I know that I'd be going home with like the popper and it would be my best friend for the next couple of
0: years. Yeah. I know, I know that struggle.
1: Yeah. Well, Jared, like I have to say, you have like a really, really good outlook, you know, about your alopecia. And it's just really nice to hear that you've like, you know, discovered your confidence and like you're owning your alopecia and you're being really forthright about it and you're not afraid to talk about it. And I think that's really powerful. And I think you're a really great role model for like, you know, men with alopecia and really anyone for alopecia.
2: Absolutely. For sure. On that note, um, Jared, you did an interview with the CBC about Alafisha a few years back. <laughs> what was that? With tell, tell us a little bit more about it.
0: You would bring that up.
2: I would bring that up. You <laughs> want to know?
0: Well, I actually told I, I buried that in my I buried that a long time ago because I never want to bring that up again. All right. <laughs> no, no, it's fine. I, to be honest, I I can't. I think it was. If I, I'm sure it's on, I'm sure it's somewhere online where it. Taught, it's mainly about you know being a male with alopecia and how the stigma around it's obvious. You know, quote unquote, it's worse for a woman than it is man. And yeah, I don't know. She ended up just using really bits and pieces of what I had said, and it made me look really. I don't know. I I, I don't know how to say this politely. Very weak, I guess. It, I I wasn't impressed with what how she just used certain. Sections of what I had said. She took a, sent- a sentence here and a sentence here and mashed it together to make it look like I said it all at once. And you what know, wasn't a wasn't a fan of that one for sure. But
2: how do you think that people? And it brings up a good point. How do you think that people who don't know about alopecia and who aren't who don't necessarily experience it, like you and I and Sarah do, how should they talk about it?
0: Like how should they, like talk about it to me or in public or?
2: generally like how do people who don't who don't have alopecia talk about alopecia like what do you how do you how can they kind of be you know be comfortable that that they're not upsetting somebody or asking the wrong questions like this comes back to the whole oh at least you're not a guy statement like what are the right things i guess to say to people who have alopecia that's the
0: question that's a hard question
2: um open for you too
0: no, no it's it it's that's a it's a big question because it's it's somebody it's a question that I guarantee you a lot of people really want to know and the question and the my answer is it's going to be totally different depending on who you're talking to and what stage of acceptance that they're at of the condition or disease if, if it's someone that's more recently diagnosed maybe they don't want to talk about it they're not at they have to get over that little hump that the acceptance hump of that. This is what I have and I'm going to have it for ever. And this is how I'm going to live with it. Or if it's somebody like me, I have no problem talking about it my entire life. Every excuse I have had to do a presentation on it, whether it be high school. Um, I did a big presentation in college for my um, public speaking class and basically informed 200 people that alopecia was a thing. No one knew what it was. So, asking me about it and I've gotten everything from the blatantly rude questions to the people who are actually genuinely curious. And something new that I actually just experienced this over this past week is and something I haven't actually felt in a long time. And it was more so along the lines of when I going I had my girlfriend has a eight year old daughter in grade two. And we went to her school last week for parent-teacher interviews and I noticed over the past few times every time I go to the school that she would get very awkward about me being in the school I could never figure out why and it came finally came out that kids are asking her why this guy that comes in with her because I'm obviously not her real father but why he looks so different so it turns out she's embarrassed of me because I look like and it the first time I've ever felt that way, for as long as I can remember. Kind of like that. Oh man, I am different, and these children who have zero idea how to react around somebody, never mind I know how to ask the question, because I've informed her as much as I could about what alopecia is, and she knows what she knows what it's called and what it does. But it doesn't make it any easier for her when people are honestly she to a degree may have received some sort of bullying around it, making fun of her for having this guy that's quote unquote funny looking. I use that term around to describe kind of things with her, but, and it was interesting because I just, I've never, I've I've never figured it out how a younger child could be brought to ask those questions. And it, it basically equates to everybody in my opinion, where it's, it's all about educating and it's all about, you know, kids nowadays know about major illnesses and stuff out there. But when it comes to alopecia, no one knows. No one's, No one. Everyone knows somebody that has it. That's something else I've discovered is that I feel like every person I've met, like, oh, yeah, my, you know, second cousin has that or my friend's girlfriend has that or something along those lines. And it's, it's a lot more popular than, you know, we think.
2: I think it's just the awareness aspect of it for sure.
0: Yeah. And, and, then, and then back to your your original question where it's just like, well, how do you how do you ask questions about it? And it's, to me, it's more so along the lines of, you know, how comfortable is the person that you're going to be asking these questions look like they are about their hair? And because, yeah, to, to any person, that one question could be a trigger Because something as innocent as, yeah, well, you know, there's a lot of bald guys out there can't clearly can't be as bad for you really doesn't seem, like when I put myself in their shoes, it doesn't seem like that harmful of a question or a statement. It really doesn't, because, yeah, it's stating the obvious. There is a lot more bald men in the planet than women, and is it easier then for a bald man to handle alopecia versus women? I think, it's, I think that's totally up to the person that's, that has it. Some guys might not be able to handle it or even grow into that identity of having alopecia. It all depends on what type of support system, what type of person it is. and I don't know. I don't know. It's a, a, a tough thing because I know me personally, I'm going to be different than the next person down the line. I have no problem if anybody comes on. I get the, I get people at work that come up to me and back when I had some growth, they, they used to say my head looks like a globe because I had little dark patches <laughs> and my scalp's very white. And so I'd have these dark kind of patches. So it looks like a globe.
1: I prefer leopard,
2: actually, over a globe. That's how I feel right now. That's where where my hair is at.
0: That's where you're at right now? (laughs) Yeah, yeah. That globe phase? (laughs)
2: Okay, Sarah, give give a shot at answering the question, the hard one.
1: I just think you do it in a way that is compassionate and sensitive and mature, and you try to feel empathy for people and the situations that they're in, and... I think we do need to ask questions about alopecia. I think it's necessary and I think it's a good thing because we're creating awareness. And I mean, that's what the three of us are trying to do right now. Like Uh we want people to start talking about this and we want people to know about it, to, to make it easier for people who are living with this. So I think you need to do it, but you just need to do it in a way that, you know, is kind and is sensitive and, tries to understand and feel what people are going through because i think at the end of the day we all know it's not just hair as three people who have been through this it's not just hair <laughs> so just yeah try to be empathetic and and put yourself in that person's place
2: for sure Alrighty, righty so i think that's a good place to leave off with looking at the time so thank you so much jared for taking the time to join us we really really appreciate it of course
0: you for having me for sure
1: and that's it for this episode of the alopecia project a big thank you goes out to jared for taking the time to chat with us and thank you to all of you for listening make sure to follow the alopecia project on instagram and facebook don't forget to subscribe to us on soundcloud apple podcasts and google play see you next time